Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, braving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm Jeanette Blissett, your host. Today's guest is Vicky Dello Joyo. And Vicky draws on decades of theater performance and directing experience in lifelong study of martial arts. Vicky stands apart from the other trainers by focusing on the crafting of the stories her clients tell and the energy behind how they deliver their message so their audiences can feel and remember them forever. Vicky, thanks so much for having me as your host for today's conversation. <laughs> oh, what an honor to be with you, Janet. I just think what you're doing and, and what you're highlighting is what we all need to hear. So I love this podcast. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate that. Well, let's begin at the beginning. In the introduction, we talked about the experiences that you've had in performing and directing and even in the area of martial arts. How to collapse into the one person that you are? I love that you asked that because it is a little bit odd, I think, to have these sort of these things. And actually in my life, they were for a while on kind of a parallel track. So to begin with, I grew up in New York City, which is very nitty gritty. What you see is what you get very practical, you know, sort of roll up your sleeves, get things done, that type of an attitude. I actually was afraid that when I moved to California, which I did back in the 70s, that I was going to turn into one of those woo-woo people whose feet barely touched the ground. And it was like, oh, everything just go with the flow. And, and of course, now that's how I make my living, right? I've been doing this for a long time, I moved into martial arts in terms of self-defense and actually started studying martial arts initially because I kind of wanted to break through my own obstacles. But ultimately, it was because I had gotten beaten up on the street and I wanted to learn how to protect myself. So I started from a kind of more self-defense. Get Part of it was get through stuff, but also how do I take care of myself? How do I become a strong, powerful woman on the street? That kind of thing. I actually had an experience which was really transformative. One day I was walking down the street, I was walking home from from martial arts training where I was fighting with the person who was my partner at the time. We were breaking up and our teacher at the martial arts dojo decided that she'd liked us to spar with each other. So we were kind of kicking and hitting each other in the dojo and then at home yelling and screaming. We were not physically abusive, but it was not a pretty time. And I realized as I was walking home, I really wanted things to change. A guy walked around the corner and sometimes you can just kind of read people. You can sort of feel like this energy feels funky. You kind of want to back off. That can even happen at a party, right? Somebody can walk in the room and you go, oh, who is that? I want to hear more what they have to say. Or somebody else comes in and you go, I'm going to just give that person a pass and go talk to somebody else or get a drink or something like that. So this person came around the corner. He had that kind of energy. And because I had this history of having had some street incidents, I knew this was a problem, but I didn't go into any kind of martial arts stance where I was standing there. I was going to try to fight 
him or something like that. He reached out to grab me, actually to grab my breast. And his hand bounced about six inches from my body. And he walked away looking at his hand and then looking at me, looking at his hand, looking at me. So I knew that he hadn't missed, but that he had felt something. Now, what he felt is this energy that I learned later is called Wei Qi, which has to do with your externalized energy, what you project. It's an actual real palpable thing. And I think we often respond to it without realizing what it is. When we respond to somebody, you know, it's partly their body language. It may be a lot of different things that we're reading that are nonverbal, but there's also something that's an energy field that we just instinctively know, I think, as humans. We, we recognize when there's danger or we recognize when there's attraction. I When I got home, I actually got a call from somebody who became a, a teacher for me saying, I think you need to focus more on the internal arts as opposed to the external ones and learn more about that. Well, this concept of Wei Qi then began, I began to think about how can I support leaders, speakers, entrepreneurs, people who are speaking on stages to leverage their business or who are even speaking across difference for whatever reason. How can I support that in myself and others so that Wei Qi field allows us to fully express ourselves using the same kind of energy that some a martial artist would take, say, when we break through a board or a bunch of bricks with our hand. So that's sort of how they came together. I have this big background in theater also, and this theater is all about how you project yourself. And I've been a performer for many, many years. I'm a theater company and can talk about that at a different moment, but it was really, how do these things come together? Because this is all ultimately about energy and how we show up. And I don't mean to get so woo-woo, right? My New York self is going, wait a minute, be careful. But there's another part of me that says, no, this is an energetic field that is real, it's palpable, and it can be felt by others. And what happens if we use it for good to tell our stories or to be able to step into another level of what I call your power presence. Amazing. Well, I am from New York, so I get it. All right, then. All right, then. I get it. And it's it, it's a fascinating city to live in. I was born and raised there. And there is a grit to the city in terms of how you move about. So now we have this conversion of all of these things that have happened in your life. I absolutely love your perspective on the energy you bring is the ingredient that matters most. You know, it's the ingredient that matters most. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yes, yeah. So that's related a lot to what I was saying about that Wei Qi concept, which basically in Qigong, which is the main art that I do now, which is a, it's a martial art more for healing or moving. And actually there's different applications of Qigong. It's an art that basically can be used. There's spiritual forms. There's goal, medical Qigong, which is related to acupuncture, acupressure. There's seasonal Qigong. There's all ways in which to think about it, but they all have this idea of Wei Qi, which is externalized energy, right? The energy that you project. I really look at how can we match our internal reality with our external ones. If we start to really allow ourselves to become more united, which I know for myself and and for a lot of women, I think, and other folks that there's that self-protection, that sense of how having to hide the ways in which we mute ourselves. What does it take for us to move forward with presence and power? And in a world where we're talking about systemic oppression, it's not just simply like, oh, be brave and just get out there and pray. That's not really the answer. It's really more looking at what are the what are the steps that I need to take in order to be able to do what I want to do in the way I want to do it and have that match internal with external. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And let me ask you this question. What types of people do you work with? Who's attracted to you or who you gravitate towards? I work with lawyers, with CEOs. I've worked with performers. You know, I've directed a lot of solo shows. I also work with 
with healers. I work with entrepreneurs who want to get up on stage and tell their story in a way that's not just reciting their resume or wanting to enliven, embody a little bit more about who they are. What they all have in common is they all have started to recognize that it's that energy, like you said, the energy that you bring that matters most. So for example, recently I've been working as a coach with this amazing lawyer. She's in Canada. She presented a case to the Supreme Court of Canada. This is a very, very big deal. She and her, not law partner, but law associate were presenting around this particular case. I did a lot of work with her beforehand, partly around how she was telling the story of this client and what she was saying, which in a way, talk about imposter syndrome. I don't know anything about Canadian law. And yet I knew here's what you need to emphasize. This is when you need to look up when you're reading. This is when you need to really connect with the justices, as well as doing some internal working. We would do some sessions that were meditation, tapping into her guidance, tapping into her wisdom, tapping into her confidence, because it was intimidating to put it mildly. And then when the two of them got there, each of them took a different part of the presentation. It was intense to watch. I got to watch this streaming live. It happened shortly after Taji Brown Jackson. And it was very similar in my mind because these two women were brown. They weren't black. They were brown Muslim women talking about a Muslim client. And the court was mostly older white men, one man of color, two women. There was a level of dismissiveness or condescension that I watched my client be so graceful in the way KBJ was just jaw-dropping. I mean, jaw-dropping, the amount of work that she had to do to even get there, right? So I watched my client respond in a very similar way in the sense of responding to the content, not whatever the triggers were, not reacting to those triggers, staying really on target, answering the questions because they wouldn't let her get a whole sentence out. She would it, she would bring it back to where she was wanting to go. It was masterful, absolutely masterful. And she had little notes on her computer that were things that we had worked out for her to continue to land and ground because it's very ungrounding, right? If somebody is challenging you and not even allowing you to speak your piece, that's not true of all of the justices, but just in general, it was an intense test of all the work that she's done that brought her to this point where she was doing this high stakes presentation. So that would be one example of a client. Another one is a woman who is a Muslim and she spoke recently for a women's march in Nevada. We had worked on her story for a while. I had directed her to a couple of one woman solo shows. And it was like, how do I condense this very big story? She had escaped from Afghanistan when she was five or six, walked across the desert to Pakistan. So there's a very big story about what she was doing as she was leaving Afghanistan, how to condense her story and what she experiences here, particularly with the recent events in Afghanistan down to three minutes. So helping her condense it down to three minutes so she could deliver it with heart, presence and power, which she absolutely knocked it out of the park. So those are two examples. Another person I'm working with is she's uh, really wanting to be a speaker and a storyteller. And so I think, especially with people who are beginning with storytelling, is how not to get so lost in the details that you get lost in the weeds and it becomes boring, or you become so dry and trying just to stay with the point that there's no life to it, no fleshing out. So those are the kind of clients that I work with. It's a, it's a wide range. But like I said, what that all has in common is what is the energy that you're bringing to it? And so that's the internal part. And then how do we craft? 
craft it. That's the external part. So as far as the energy is concerned, just to dig a little bit deeper on that, what is energy? Yeah, great question. Great question and mystifying in a way. Energy to me, and of course, we're all going to have our own ideas about it. But for me, from particularly coming from the martial arts that I come from, is basically life force. Like I said, it's what acupuncture and acupressure are based on. So in the same way we have blood moving through our bodies, energy rides that blood. So there's a there's almost like you can think of it as electric electromagnetic impulses that happen in our bodies that connect. Like for you, you're observing somebody and you're sort of picking up data and then reflecting it back in a way that moves things forward. That is an energetic read. So you're taking it visually. For me, I'm more kinesthetic. I can kind of read it more through watching somebody's body movement. People learn and see each other in different ways. But energy is something that has to do with, it's not just positivity. I think there's a danger of thinking the whole movement towards let's all just stay positive no matter what. It's really about what is authentically in your heart and how do you express that from a place that's aligned with your sense of guidance, your sense of empowerment, and the heart that you bring. For me, that's energy. When I look at these three, they're called realms in the Qigong world of the heaven realm, which is your inspiration or having a big perspective, the earth realm, which has to do with your resources and who you depend on and getting nourished. And that's where we get our food. And then the heart, the human realm has to do with how we express ourselves, what we bring to the world, how we serve, and also how we deal with our strengths and our limitations. So when we have all of those three aligned, to me, that creates a certain energy field that people read, whether they think of it as energy or not. But it's not tangible. It's not just your words. It's not just how you're moving your body. It's something else that's coming through, which is part of what makes it so hard to define. But it's certainly what, like I said, it's like what acupuncture and acupressure are based on is these energy blockages, right? Trying to allow flow to happen when there's blockage because in Qigong and Chinese medicine, all disease, whether it's emotional, mental, or physical comes from stagnation. So how to move through stagnation, get that flow going. And in Qigong, how to make that effortless, which is my favorite word for it, right? How do you said it's not about how do you think your way through it, but how do you allow these things to happen in a way that's effortless? I appreciate that. So that was going to be my, my follow-up question. When a person wants to tap into their energy and have it authentic and real and powerful, but there are some things that get in the way. In your practice with your clients, what are some of the things that may get in the way of a person actually tapping into their true power source? There's so many things that can interrupt that. I think it can be cultural. It can be a woman or a, a person of color or a kid or depending on who, who's above and who's below in the hierarchy of, of how systems work. It can be self-doubt. I would say 80% of the people I work with are women. It's really about internalized messages that might come culturally, might have come from their particular heritages, or it might come from having a particularly disapproving parent, or it could come from, you know, whatever it is that creates self-doubt, lack of self-confidence, that can interrupt our thought process, right? We can go right into deer in the headlights when we don't feel like we can somehow stand our ground. I'm saying we generically, it's not everybody, but I'm including myself in the picture. The the other things that interrupt could be, you don't feel good. You're just not feeling it, right? You, you ha- you're going to go on stage, you're going to present a story, and you're just not feeling it. You just had a fight with 
with your partner or you just ate something that didn't agree with you or you just had an interaction with somebody in the audience who which really messed with your sense of is this going to be helpful there's all kinds of messages that we get and it comes from all different ways and it's like radio stations right it's like when you're listening to the radio which i know is pretty old timey of me but you tune into a particular wavelength right and then the other ones are quiet you just hear this one wavelength so it's like how do you tune into that wavelength that you want to hear in order to best serve or to best show up, come forward. And at the same time, how do you also read the data that's coming to you? How do you listen deeply? How do you take in information and then reflect it back, which it sounds to me like you have a a natural skill of doing. (laughs) It just is interesting though, to pay attention to the the things that are happening around you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm dead on it and other times I'm way off. Of course. Just depends, but it's just interesting to me. So I wrote a note to myself that I wanted to ask you about, and it had to do with the way of joy. The way of joy is a system. I think of it as of almost like a self-growth tool, but it's also the system that I have developed out of my study. I've been doing these practices, these energy practices or cheat track practices for close to 50 years now. So I've studied with a lot of different master teachers and a lot of different folks. And it's really my own personal synthesis of how I've interpreted what I understand from these ancient Taoist concepts and also looking at how do I, as a a white European American, partly Arab, how do I interpret that in a way that stays respectful? So I'm not trying to appropriate or take on something. I'm not trying to teach something and pretend that I'm traditional. At the same time, Taoism is so forgiving in the sense it's very inclusive. It draws everything in. So it's like, this is my understanding of how I have taken these concepts, used them in my life, helped people who've studied with me with it. And it's, it's this is a, a construct that I've created out of my own personal understanding. So it's not traditional. I'm not trying to pretend I'm a Qigong master or something like that. I think I am a master teacher in terms of what I teach. So it's really about how do we align? Like I was saying, how do we align our wisdom, our sense of joy and connection and heart and our sense of grounding and empowerment? That's the way of joy is all about that. And that is the work that I've done for most of my life. And only really in the last 15 years have started to apply it in situations like, say, with a lawyer or with a CEO speaking with staff and having difficulty with staff and and having to deal with what the defensiveness that comes in and how to move into non-defensiveness. And so one person called me, when did she call me? A trust, crucial communications advisor. That's what she called me, which I thought was wonderful, right? But anyway, so so the way of joy is basically my particular take on a very vast system and philosophy called Taoism and the practices of Qigong that are based on this philosophy. There's so much there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so much there because I think that many people, People say they want joy and they want peace and they want freedom. Yes. And so the premise that I have in the way of joy is that joy is your birthright. Every baby is born with joy. And when I say joy, I want to be really clear. I don't mean happy. Everything's happy all the time or spiritual bypassing. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Joy is the life force. So I had a, a client who was went to his partner who was a midwife. She had just delivered a baby and he looked at this baby. He said, that baby looks just like a baby Buddha. And she smiled as she took the baby back, said, all babies are baby Buddhas. Before anything gets taken away from neglect or abuse or whatever the things are that happen to children that form who they are, that there's an essence there that I'm calling joy. 
that we're born with, that it's a birthright. And my premise behind Way of Joy is what if we could tap into that as a fuel instead of a goal? So instead of thinking, if I have the right house, if I have the right partner, if I have enough money, then I get to feel joy. What if it was something that we could tap into in the same way we can listen to our heartbeat to feel our inner rhythm? We can focus on our breath to feel calm and centered. What if we could tap into joy as the fuel for the choices that we make in our life? So that's what the way of joy is. That's the premise behind it. What are the tools that we can develop that allow us to tap into this, what I think of as a limitless wellspring, even in the face of challenges. So when I decided to go write my book, uh, The Way of Joy, which is essentially my life work, and it's, you know, it's got stories and practices and got all kinds of stuff in it. But when I went off to write it, I remember that I was in the, the first few months of writing, I took a sabbatical from teaching and everything else I was doing and just went off just to write it because I couldn't do it all at the same time. Shortly after, my uncle, who was like a dad for me, contacted me and said he had just been diagnosed with end-stage lung cancer, and he wanted me to bring my mom, his little sister, to be with him in his last days, which I did. When I got back, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, as well as a very dear friend who was the mother of my goddaughter was also diagnosed with end-stage lung cancer. I remember being in the hospital and running back and forth. They were both at the same hospital and going back and forth between the two of them. My wife's father died and then my dad died. So I had a friend come up to me and she said, Vicki, you borrowed money. You went off to the country to write your book and all of this has happened. I'm so sorry that this is happening, that you're spending all this time doing this. And I realized that one of the things I could take from it or ways that I could, that a take I could have was like, I was being challenged to say, okay, joy is a fuel. What does joy mean if not only you're suffering, but people that you love around you are suffering? How do you access joy as a fuel there? So it feels like my system became kitchen tested. It was like I was getting one opportunity after another to say, okay, so what does it mean here? Okay, how do you tap into it there? How can it be helpful here? Not in terms of how can I just detach and be separate from it, but how can I really stay in that place of neutral compassion so that I can really show up as my best self during these momentous life transitions? I think many of us have been faced with those kind of situations or will be faced and challenged with those situations and having a way to, I'm going to use the word, manage ourselves. Yes, manage our energy. Exactly. That uh, it would be very important to, to know. Mm. I have exposure to friends who have lost loved ones and are dealing with grief and uh, several who have been diagnosed, as my mother would say, the big C, cancer, and are faced with some challenges there. And it makes me pause and try to put it in a perspective that I don't even know what I'm trying to do with it. I just wonder how I can support. Yeah, such a beautiful place to come from, Janet. I mean, how can I best show up? How can I be there? And to be there for ourselves as well as for the people that we're wanting to support, right? So it's both and not neither or. My friend who had the lung cancer, one of the things she said as she was dying was, well, how are you taking care of yourself? That part that you said of how do I even make sense of something that doesn't even make sense when you're losing a beloved is part of the work, right? It's part of how do we use our energy? That's again, comes back to the energy that you bring is what matters most. Well, the time is definitely right. There's so many things going on in our personal lives and and even in our communities and the world around us and not having empathy or compassion. It's a deadly sin. Amen to that. Amen to that. And that's why I love stories because for me, stories are the pathway into the heart. They're the pathway into empathy. I was so moved the more I learned about the work that Desmond Tutu and Mandela were doing in South Africa during their 
Truth and Reconciliation project of really delving into stories and having people really hear the stories of what apartheid did. There, there's something about that that for me was so wise, such world leadership around what do we do to heal the call it sins, uh, you know, transgressions, the, the pain, the harms. And part of it has to do with story, how hold story, how the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and the stories we tell others about ourselves. And that too, the stories we tell ourselves that impact how we tell our stories and how we share those stories. It's incredible. Right. And- to tell these stories of survival without ever going into what one of my teachers calls a victim mindset, different from the fact that you might have been victimized. People are victimized, but you don't want to get stuck in a victim mindset. So how do you use that story? What is that story and and where do you find it? It's not like immediately having to be a hero or something like that, but what do we do with that story? Do we re-victimize ourselves or do we stay in that place of feeling powerless or how do we shift that? And what does that look like? That's the kind of stuff that just fascinates me. I learned so much from my clients, much more than I learned from me, I think. I can appreciate that. And I do believe that shift in thinking in terms of being a victim or victimizing your situation and being in that position forever, that troubles me a lot. Yeah, It troubles me a lot. Maybe that's why in talking with those who have had some challenges, I feel for them in that they may not know the power they have to change their situation and stand in their power by showing up with a different mindset and energy about their situation. At some point, some of us make a decision. It's really, what do you give weight to? At, at one point, what are you giving weight to? Are you giving weight to resilience or are you giving your weight to what has victimized or oppressed you? And it's not that you want to deny those things, but it's really where do you want to put your attention? Because that's where the energy goes. There's a, a saying, yi dao, chi dao, where your mind goes, the chi follows, um, the energy follows. So where you put your attention and intention, but that whole idea that where we focus, that's where our energy goes is really critical, particularly when you're talking about hardship, life challenges. That has been, I, I believe, a challenge that I faced in working with people, mostly women who've had some personal challenges from perhaps when they were brought into the world, maybe mistreated along the way, bad breaks along the way. And then that becomes their story that's played over and over and over again with the same cast of characters. Mm. Some of them are ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and they're still talking about it. So it's challenging when you are working with different types of people, but getting back to the conversation about the energy you bring is the ingredient that matters most. I subscribe to that and I think it's an important perspective to put into focus right about now because yes. not everybody looks at energy as a real thing. That's right. And yet everybody, everybody knows what it's like not to have energy, right? To not want to get out of bed or not want to put clothes on. And I'm not talking just about depression. I'm just talking about feeling really low. So we all know what it feels like when we don't have it. We don't recognize that when we do have it, that it's something that's actually giving us momentum. No doubt. It's, it's definitely inside. There's no question about that. It's that oh, we do feel a certain kind of way. You get up in the morning, you say, hmm, how do I feel today? I feel good. Or, oh gosh, I could have used a little bit more sleep. Or maybe I slept, but I didn't get deep sleep. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of fashion your mindset for the day around that. But I have a Habit of pushing through, no matter what. <laughs> well, look at all you've accomplished because of it. So that's yes, I'm pushing that's through. Awesome. <laughs> 
I know I feel this way, but in 15 minutes, I'll feel better. You know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where you're putting your attention. You're putting your attention into where you want to be, not where you feel like you're going to get stuck or circle the drain, right? So what's, what's the question that I probably should ask you that oh. I haven't asked? Oh, my gosh. What can people do to access their energy on the spot? How about that? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. All right. So there's something, it's very, very simple. It's something I call standing tall. It's really about going into what we could call vertical alignment. So in my world, what I experience is that when we can lift the crown of our head up, so rather than lifting the head up and lifting your chin, but letting the chin stay down and lengthening the back of the neck and almost like you're a marionette being pulled up by the top of the head. And at the same time, feel our feet or if we're sitting, feeling our sits bones or both the feet and the, your pelvis connected to whatever you're sitting on, that, that's grounded and you're lifted becomes basically room for energy to flow. I'm talking a little more in the woo world right now, but this is a real thing. So we all know that good posture is a good idea, right? That when that, that we are in good posture, then we project a certain confidence and that kind of thing. So when we're feeling stuck, if we can go into that place of really lengthening our spine, lifting through the crown, grounding through the feet and sits bones, what that allows us to do is it allows us to be able to become, I think of more channels. And what I mean by channels is that we are able to access our inspiration, our wisdom, our sense of perspective, along with our sense of empowerment from the ground, from that sense of having a leg to stand on, right? The earth is all about having a leg to stand on. What's your sense of confidence? And that when that energy starts to come down from above, so that inspiration starts to go down and we ground it and we're drawing energy up to support what our vision is, what our intention is, what we want to see happen, that starts to move out through the heart center or what I call the human realm. And that is a really easy access. So for example, if somebody's about to go on stage and they're feeling stage fright, I really encourage them to focus first on just lengthening their spine, lifting the crown, grounding through their feet as a way to begin to project this energy field, this Wei Chi field. I started by talking about that so that then the stage fright or whatever's getting you stuck doesn't take over. It's something that's there that we can actually start to transform or transmit that that is a fuel into energy. So that's what I would say. And of course, when we're in that place, I think everybody, all of your listeners know what it's like to be in the zone when things are just working and clicking and you're right on target and things are happening the way you want to. To be able to, to just structurally create the vessel for that is not that complex. It's really a lot of times when we stand tall, then energy starts to flow. We get new ideas. We have more sense of who we are. We are able to express ourselves more articulately or more clearly. I would just encourage people to think about just look at how you're sitting or standing right now and what happens if you lengthen your spine how does that feel do you notice anything that feels different maybe you do maybe you don't but even if you don't feel it something is happening that's how that's energy moves it's like a river going around sticks and stones that's how energy flows in our body we need to just look for where the openings are and create them that's amazing that's amazing well i have subscribed to your channel on youtube all right yeah the thing is is that there are a lot of people talking about a lot of different things. Everyone has something to say. And 
it. I find that some of it is just too much, too much talking. Mm. So I have made it a point to intentionally set up my channels with people who have things to say that I find to be relevant. Mm. Therefore, I don't have to listen to the endless chatter Mm. of certain individuals on whatever their topic is, but I'm finding people like you who are talking about things that resonate with me and that I think add value and it's very relevant to living a life that's worth living. Mm. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. I feel very honored by what you just said. Thank you so much, Janet. Absolutely. So we will put your contact information in the show notes. I have your website, yourpowerpresence.com. Yourpowerpresence.com for right now is the best way to connect with me. If you'd like to have a short conversation about how you're feeling your energy is, if you think about energy or or about what your story is, it, it won't be a sales conversation. It's not like I'm trying to sell you anything, but I'm happy to support folks to know more about my work. It would be my name, VickiDelajoyo.com. I have a Facebook group. Just look for Energy Matters Most on Facebook. And there I talk about all kinds of energy matters. I will look forward to tapping into all of those channels just to keep up with you. Again, greatly appreciate the time that you've given us mm-hmm. of your day. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you. Thanks so much for being on the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.